Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening. How are you? Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be spending a lot of the night talking about re-entering the dating world. That's right. People that have been single for a while, maybe out of the game, married, who knows? But uh, there's some things to think about. We're going to be talking about tips, tricks, and perspectives to get us back in the game. Um, It's not easy when we enter the dating world. All of our stuff is on the line, right? Our sense of desirability, our confidence, our body esteem, different identities and roles that we play out in the world. And we're going to be talking about transgender rights. Why do we need to keep talking about this? Because some people still think that some humans aren't valid. It's gross. It's definitely a mental health issue. But we're going to be talking about some of the science. Um, but I wanted to open the show by talking about a couple different things that popped up. Um, Jenna Lyons. I wasn't familiar with her, although I did wind up watching by default this uh, documentary style show about her work and her life. She's a um, She's, I guess you'd call her an artist. She really engages in all different kinds of levels of art, interior design, fashion. But what was really meaningful is her telling her story of being outed after age 40. This is someone who was hetero-identified and was pulled out of the closet. And that's kind of the thing I wanted to just discuss quickly, which is, you know, not everyone's ready to publicize or to step into some kind of sexual or gender role or identity. And if you're aware of someone, um, keep it to yourself. You know, just because someone gives us information or we stumble upon information or we're watching someone's journey, that doesn't give us the right to do anything with that information. And individuals have to be at a place where they're ready to share. And in order to share, if at all, they only share with people that are safe, people that they maybe have that kind of closeness with, but more meaningful when they themselves have found confidence and peace in what it is they have to share. And and pulling someone out of the closet is always violent. I don't care who's doing it. And a lot of celebrity news is sometimes rooted in dragging people out of the closet, whether it's about cheating, whether it's about their gender, their sexuality, whatever it is. And that's not okay. And we need to push back on that where that's not our business. That's not actually news. And we want to be very thoughtful about celebrity gossip and news that we spread because we are damaging some people's lives. And this article is really powerful to read. Because this is someone who was saying, I wasn't identifying as gay, but yet I was stepping into a same-sex relationship. And yet I was forced, I was forced to publicly process and go through very quickly. That's not okay. 
And as we talk about all the time, the closet shouldn't exist, which means we shouldn't assume someone is anything based on what we think we see or what we know. We should always assume that people have the possibility of being far diverse and more creative than we think they are, but we don't have a right to do anything problematic with that information. So we wanna be very, very, very thoughtful. Uh, positive news, Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons has donated money to his childhood home he actually, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons donates his childhood home to LGBTQIA youth. This is someone who's constantly raising money. And he's going even further. And he's from a Mormon background, which is historically a community that's very anti-LGBTQIA, right? And um, I love seeing hetero celebrities and individuals really doing the work to end homophobia because homophobia is caused, created, and maintained by straight people. And so it is on straight people's shoulders to dismantle that. Gay people don't lead and create homophobia. They can internalize it, but that is something that is at the hands of straight people. So people like him, that's how you, you, that's how you be a good ally, providing resources, care, finances, and using your platform and privilege, his straight privilege and his platform. So that's phenomenal. Uh, also good news in the book, in the world, Dr. Seuss, his company will not be publishing six of his books because they historically have been racist. That's what you do in 2021. You find out that you have a racist history in your art or your work, you remove it. It's okay to remove things that are problematic when you learn better and you do better. That's how you also act like a good ally. We don't need those things in existence. Uh, Disney's been better at that, right? Looking back at their legacy and saying, we wanna clean it up and putting some disclaimers on the Disney Plus app around some of the content in some of their films. I think that's phenomenal. Not everyone wants to step into that or encounter that as they're reading a book or watching a show to their children or themselves, right? And we don't wanna keep that in uh, circulation. It's okay to remove those things. We don't need to have those reminders. And uh, I thought this was interesting too. Playgirl, I didn't know that it was on its possible way out, but it's being relaunched by a gay publisher. Love that. Also, did you know Playboy also has a gay publisher and editor. That's right. And that's why these magazines are evolving and changing and meeting the current needs. So um, well done. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a Playgirl magazine uh, in real time. I've seen it on the stands. Um, I didn't know it was going away, but hey, that bad boy's coming back. <laughs> it's so interesting to see how those things go. Um, and finally, we'll close out on this. This is adorable. I saw this reported multiple times. Our own radio.com put a story out there about a 105-year-old COVID survivor. Wow, that's a feat. Seriously, God bless. Credits gin-soaked raisins for her longevity. <laughs> I'm not definitely recommending that. It's a cute anecdote. Um, but I thought that was great. 105. What, what a blessing, I hope, for an individual to be able to live that long. I hope her life's been a beautiful journey. But 105. It's why I push back on, you know, these decline narrative around aging. You know, we can learn a lot. We can actually get better. And it's a gift to be able to live that long. We shouldn't shame signs of aging because not everyone has... Not everyone has access to aging. Some people pass away sooner and lose individuals. So beautiful, beautiful, well done. Um, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline AG page in the stories and uh, DMs. We'll be checking in on them, but if you got a DM for us, please drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And um, we'll be back talking about how to re-enter the dating world. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're jumping into our top story of the night. And that is uh, how to get back to dating if you're newly single. Yep, uh, all sorts of things have happened in our, while we've been on break, break from life. <laughs> That's been something. 
<laughs> I've been saying with a lot of patience in my practices. Well, while we've been on break, <laughs> not a uh, not a holiday or vacation, but a break from life due to pandemic. <laughs> a lot of things have kind of drifted by the wayside, but that's okay. We've been on break. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I just think it's hilarious because my clients are starting to check in about all the things that they haven't been doing. And we've really dropped into a beautiful level of acceptance that like, we're not trying to do it all anymore. <laughs> we've settled into just doing as good as we can. And I'm so thankful for people having done that. But again, as always, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a general therapist first, but also a, you know, specialist in couples and sex therapy. And so I'm always having that relational perspective, which I think any good psychologist will bring forward is thinking about, you know, that relational piece. We are relational beings. Every song, book, and movies about relationship, every conversation, every anything mental health-wise is somehow born out of or connected to. And, you know, that that urge to pair bond, right? We're all on that continuum on one end, of this binary is the urge to pair bond. The other side is this desire for liberation, freedom, and autonomy. And in getting into a relationship, it's very much about a balance of those two. And I very much believe that we can find um, a combination of both. And I throw this word around out there and I'm writing an article on it to clarify, an article that's been taking me a long time because there's so many moving pieces. But again, uh, a lot of us run our relationships problematically, and that is why we have a, a high, high divorce rate, I believe. And it's because we run it with a very toxic monogamous perspective, which means it's often very emotionally abusive. And it's this idea that, again, we can't have both, that we can't enter a relationship and have both pair bond and commitment and trust while also having freedom and autonomy. But we can. And all healthy relationships allow for both, right? Um and some people will tolerate more or less of the other. Not, not, not everyone needs both. Some people actually are very comfortable with total fusion and they never miss that autonomy. Other people want a little more autonomy and a little more space, not bad or wrong. And the compatible relationships are about finding a partner that also wants that or can tolerate that, right? Um, and that's also the why some people are like cheating. Oh my God, who does that? I would never. Right, because you're one of those people where on that continuum, you are very comfortable and skew more towards fusion and connected and closeness and you like a lot of intimacy where other people, it's very, very, it's very much a daily battle because they very much want diversity and freedom and autonomy. Yeah. And those people honestly should not really ask for monogamy. Those are the people, people that are on the far, far other end where they're like, look, commitment's hard for me. Don't do it. <clears throat> That's the thing. We don't have to be in monogamous relationships, whether married or otherwise. And if you struggle with monogamy, you might not be built for it. It's not for everyone. And for some people, it's too hard of a struggle. And for some people, it creates too much damage. Stop trying. Be open. Have open relationships. Be poly, whatever the solution is. Be honest with who you are. It's a little quick side note. Yeah, honor, honor what you've learned from your relational history. Not everyone is meant to do monogamy. And for some people, it's far too hard because of that continuum, pair bonding versus, you know, singledom and autonomy. But again, healthy relationships really allow for fluidity between both. You can have both at the same time, totally. And sometimes that autonomy and singledom that we really desire, we just have to act it out symbolically, right? And that's an example where I say to couples all the time, have couple time, have family time, but then also have days or a day, you know, days as in a day, choose a day where it's just you and your friends, and you are symbolically just a single person relating to your friend. Also have a day maybe where it's you out in the world on your own and you are symbolically acting out and living in that autonomy and freedom. You're in a relationship, 
you're honoring the commitments you've made, but you're out in the world on your own. I don't know if I've shared this story or not, but my family used to travel a lot with this other family. And they were the standard white cis hetero, you know, American family. And uh, we'd go to Europe. <clears throat> and the gentleman, I don't remember his name, this is a long time ago, he, every time we'd go to a city, right, on these family vacations, dual family vacations, he'd always take a day to himself. And he'd go off in wherever we were and just experience the day to himself. He just wanted singledom. Honored the con marital contract, wasn't out there having sex or dating other people, but he was off in the world on his own. I think that that's a beautiful model. And I'm someone where, although I love a lot of fusion and closeness and intimacy, I jokingly say that when I'm in a relationship, I do a backpack style where I like them as with me as much as possible. I stay close and connected. But at the same time, I very much appreciate a lot of solitude and isolation. And I'll take hours away where I go off to a coffee shop to read and write. I'll take a trip on my own while still honoring the relationship I'm in because I need both. So... All that to say, while we've been on break, <laughs> aka isolating and in quarantine, um, some people have entered relationships. Awesome. They've been a gift for that person, while others have exited uh, for whatever reason. They cohabitated and didn't work out or whatever it is. It doesn't even matter. But I, I was reminding everyone consistently, keep dating within the within the rules. We can absolutely do that. So for those that are newly single, whether it's because they broke up during quarantine, whether it's because that's just what they wanted, right? Because not everyone's always seeking relationship or because maybe you've left a long-term relationship or marriage, the world, God bless, because the world's changed a lot. If you've been in, if you've been out of the dating game for a length of years, oh yes, the world's changed. I'm working with some clients where they are for the first time encountering singledom, but more importantly, singledom in the age of hookup culture and dating apps. And it's a culture shock, and it should be, because these are things that are foreign to them, and I'm teaching them the new language that is dating in the 21st century, or 20, yeah, and learning how to utilize what, what is there now, the terms, ghosting, <laughs> um, app use, all different kinds of things. So when we come back, though, we're going to talk about some steps to consider and, and to engage in in service of reentering the dating world. Um, question night up on our Loveline IG page in the stories as always. And then of course, DMs. We'll be uh, doing two of them in the show, but if you got a DM for us, drop it on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, gosh, we are talking about how to step back into the dating world. Important. Because I think some people just fling themselves back in. <laughs> uh, and some people are coming out of long-term relationships or long-term marriages. And the world, the landscape, the landscape's different. Um, not just because of norms of hookup culture, but the dating apps have really shifted the way that people are relating to others romantically, even socially. Different terminology, sometimes rooted in people's bad behavior. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of new terms rooted in the positive outcomes of how the world is now around dating. Most of them are negatives. <laughs> Love lines always covering all the new terms, which is kind of a note to self. We haven't talked about them in a long time, and there's a whole lot to unpack in that. But we're going to be talking about... Um, perspectives and steps to get back into the dating world. Uh, because again, remember, no, no one can walk out into the world and say, I'm deciding I'm going to find love today, this month, this week, this year, but we can be responsible and hold ourselves accountable to creating the conditions upon which love can be found. Now, last week, 
we were talking about the different styles and perspectives with which people enter the dating world. So maybe go back and listen. And we were talking about how some people enter with the, you know, there's work, it's work in progress, right? Other people enter it from these ego lists, right? And others have these really Disney, fantastical, romanticized notions of, well, if it's the right one and they're my soulmate, everything should be perfect. And it's like, well, that's not realistic, right? And that will actually keep you single. Some people also think they don't need to do any work, whether it's gendered, they're female and they think, I don't need to do anything or approach anyone, which is another way to keep yourself single. Um, others literally, without realizing it, are thinking that like someone's just going to knock on their door. So again, we are responsible for laying the conditions around which love and romance can emerge, right? Um, and always remember, relationships, romantic or even parental and, and, and our friends, those are some of the most transformative uh, moments. They're a mirror being held up showing us where our work is. And so I love people stepping into the dating world just to learn about who they are. Um, so again, you, you have to have some courage to do this. Uh, all of our stuff is brought up when we start dating. Our sense of desirability, right? How desirable are we? What's our market value? Which is a horrible concept, but that's a real thing. Um, so it's about our desirability is now on the line, our self-worth, right? Um, how we feel about our, our role and identity in the world. Like, what are we even doing with ourselves? Do we feel good about our career, right? Uh, our body esteem, that ties back to that desirability. Like, all of that is pulled in. Our relational trauma, right? How we've been treated historically. All of that is, is emerged, emerges when we step into the dating world. So the first thing is, yes, we need to go online. Um, I, I did, I did a, uh, a news segment, I think it was like a year ago and the reporter was like, oh, well, you know, some people still shame about dating online. And that, that statement is always so shocking to me because of how many people date online and there should be no shame in it. There should be no shame in seeing online. I don't care if you're a boss. I don't care if you're a mother. I don't care if you're a therapist. I don't care if you're a celebrity. It's okay for the world to maybe see you on an online dating app and realize that you're a healthy human being who wants to be part of the dating world. We have to get rid of having any shame or guilt in that. There are some psychology training programs that tell their students they can't have apps. That's not true. That's a denial of human, of humanization. That's not, like we're allowed to be active participants in the world regardless of what our role or identity is. So know that it's for everyone. We've talked about some of the celebrities that themselves openly talk about being on the dating apps. Prez Hilton, Sharon Stone, Drew Barrymore, um, there's a wealth of them that have come out saying, yeah, I'm on them, I've been on them. There's nothing wrong with that. So we need to normalize that, right? And remember also that not only do you have access to the wealth of people, but you can also make friends. Friendships do emerge from that. Okay, what else do we need to think about? Well, again, the world has changed, so we also do need to make sure that we ask about people's relational status, right? What does that mean? Well, it means some people are on the apps looking for secondary or tertiary relationships. Some people on those apps already might have a primary partner. There are people on the apps that are in open or polyamorous relationships. So you cannot assume that everyone you're seeing or talking to online is quote unquote single in the way you might want them to be. You have to ask about people's current and also the desired relational status, because not only can you not assume that they don't have a primary partner already, you can't assume that they don't necessarily also want a secondary partner. So it's gotta be the double question. What's your current relational status? And what kind of relational status do you want? They might say, I'm currently fully single, 
And you're like, oh, great. And they're like, however, I, I'm poly or I prefer open styles. We have to be open to hearing that, learning about that, discussing that. And that doesn't mean that they're not serious. That doesn't mean that they're intimacy phobic. It doesn't mean that they don't know how to commit. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They like love and relationality so much that they surround themselves with as much of it as possible. And there's ethical non-monogamy and all different other ways of doing it. And so you have to ask that question. I think that's a really, really, really important question that's often left out. People assume that just because they're on there, they must, they must have no primary partner and they're completely open to monogamy. Now, those that have been on the apps for a while, that's not new to them. But to those that are re-entering or haven't been on it for the first time, yes, that is something you now need to check in on and something you need to ask. Okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to do a DM. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about perspectives and, and steps to take for those that are re-entering the dating world. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, tonight's question says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question. Ah, well, ah, good place for the DMs. Is it legal for companies to require the coronavirus shot? Seems like that is going to put a strain on a lot of people, both mentally and physically. Well, I'm not a lawyer, so please don't send me legal questions. I can't answer them. Um, I did see an article, though, that said that it, it, there's some circumstances in which maybe that can be done. But, you know, consult a lawyer. I'm not, I'm not, not one, can't tell you. Um, I do not like the idea, though, that um, an employer can force you to get a, a vaccine. Um, my concern with that is we're then starting to both professionally and culturally create second class citizens. And, uh, you know, we're in a time when people are struggling enough to get their basic needs met. And I don't want there to be further limitations and loopholes. It's very hard for people to survive corporate culture as it is an employment culture. And um, people have been out of work or their you know pay has been cut or they've been furloughed. And to have more obstacles to go through to get your basic needs met is really hard for me to support. And again, we're seeing people that are being required to have vaccines to attend events like concerts. And on one hand, as from a public health professional perspective, I, I, I understand that, right? We wanna make sure everyone's safe. But on a larger scale, I don't like the idea of creating more ostracism, uh, more hierarchy and more second-class citizens where there's the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, us against them and access. But at the same time, I also agree that um, I, I worry about being around individuals that aren't vaccinated once I fully am, right? And I'll be doing so by wearing a mask and also keeping some space, but I don't want to risk, I don't want to run the risk of infecting because even vaccinated, you can still pass along and even vaccinated, you can still get infected. It just isn't supposed to be as life-threatening, right? Um, and so it creates a larger conundrum. You know, it's hard. I'm pro-vaccination, but I'm also pro-body body autonomy um, and I'm always for worker rights first, so it's a very complicated situation. I'm not going to say much more than that, but I'm not here for the idea of more second-class citizens being created, more division, or people having more difficulty uh, continuing their employment, which is often hard enough. So I'm not really sure how to weigh in on that. But the legal matters, you should talk to a lawyer about that or do more research. I'm sure there's tons of stunning articles out there. Do that. I want everyone to do that. Everyone should understand their rights professionally and personally when it comes to factors like this. Um, but that's an individual decision. I cannot necessarily weigh in on that. Uh, it's going to get really funky, though. I just was reading about a big festival in England, and in order to attend, you have to be vaccinated. And in fact, some of the bands themselves have pulled out because they're not willing to support such a concept. They themselves didn't want to get vaccinated, and they didn't want to have to force that on others. We got a lot coming up. <laughs> Don't think that this is going to be a very quiet, easy, simple topic. It's going to impact at some point uh, travel, like getting on airplanes, flight. 
um, and also attendance at different events and whatnot. So God bless it, y'all. But I know for me, having said what I said, I, 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 I'm going to struggle to be around crowds of people moving forward somewhat indefinitely because what this has brought forward to me is a better understanding of bacterial and viral transmission. And I don't want to run the risk of getting something else in the future. And so moving forward, I will be setting boundaries with my own exposure in small spaces and with crowds. I probably will be wearing a mask at times, even when, you know, coronavirus is quote unquote managed because I don't want to catch something else. And I don't think that that's being hypersensitive. I think it's being actually really protective and educated. I think we're a little too comfortable getting really close and sharing air and space with each other. I know. I already said it. I want moving forward servers to always be wearing a mask. I don't want someone's face a mere inch, a mere few inches away from my food that I'm about to consume. You know what I mean? So I, I am here for some hand washing and face mask regulations moving forward. Public health is a big deal. And sometimes that has to come before comfort, you know? But I don't want people being made at the same time a second class citizen for those that decide it's not for them. It is a very complex thing. There's a lot of nuance. So I'm purposely giving very vague answers because I have to really unpack it more. I haven't fully landed on my idea. So don't DM me if you don't agree with me. I'm not actually interested in those kinds of DMs at all, period. But um, I have to still sit with my own thoughts about it a little bit more, you know? Um, all right. If you have a DM for us, drop it in the DMs. Please make sure it's mental health or psychology related. And uh, coming up, we're going to be talking about some trans news and really driving home some trans rights because that is what it's like to be an ally. You know, allyship for the trans community falls on cis individuals because we are the ones that strengthen, perpetuate, and sustain transphobia, right? That's not the hands of trans individuals. And uh, and then, of course, we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. You are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about how to re-enter the dating world. Uh, uh, segment two and segment three earlier in the show. If you want to go back and listen to them on the podcast, you can do so. Go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, you'll see my face and you can check out our earlier segments because we're talking about steps and perspectives with which to utilize in re-entering the dating world. Because again, it's evolved. There are new terms, new concepts, new, new things to consider. Those that have been in the dating world for a while are a little aware of this. Those that are brand new because they're leaving or re-entering, it's going to be new. Talking about um, using online, that's great. Also talking about checking on a people's relational status because not everyone who's online is totally single. They might already be in an ongoing relationship or they might be open or poly or they're fully single right now, but that is their dating style. And so you want to ask their current and their desired relational status to see if that's what you're looking for. You know, it's part of compatibility, um, depending on who they identify, how they identify relationally. Um, another thing I have to always remind people, cause we're always looking out for our mental health, right? And these things are not neutral technologies. All technology has an impact on our mental health. And we always want to be checking in on that. How do I feel before, during, and after when I'm about to go on the apps? How do I feel? Do I feel anxious and depressed? Pause. Do I feel bad getting off? Pause. We don't have to be on these. We should not be using them against ourselves, right? And so we do have to talk about things like online burn, uh, online dating burnout. People get burnout from these apps. And if you're feeling anxious or depressed before logging on, then you're not using it correctly. If you're feeling bad or burnout after, then you're not using it correctly. It is not meant to exist in your life to make your life harder. And what I mean by you're not using it correctly, I don't mean while you're on it, you're using it wrong. I mean, you're not acknowledging the role it's supposed to play in your life. It's supposed to make things better. It's supposed to give you access. 
Everyone's behavior on these apps, sadly, is not ethical. There is sexual racism. There is body shaming. There are people that don't acknowledge that they're talking to a human being and they don't take the apps seriously. All of that is on these other people, right? But if we are feeling depressed or more lonely or frustrated, that means we are either spending way too much time on them or we're expecting too much. I tell people, only log on when you're in a good, stable place or mood. If you're having a rough day, don't go on because most likely it'll bring some feelings of depression, anxiety, or loneliness because unfortunately, there's a lot of bad behavior on there. Also, you can't go on saying, I need to find someone to talk to or connect with today or this week. It doesn't promise that. It's a journey. Dating, falling in love, finding love, all of this, all relational stuff is a journey. So only log on when you're in a good space. Otherwise, take a break, take a moment. And if you're on there and you're seeing, oh my God, I'm getting angry and I'm saying horrible things to people, time to log off. Time to maybe also take a day or two off. It's not meant to make your life harder or more complicated. It's not meant to make you feel bad. That is not its purpose, right? It's supposed to be a tool, a neutral tool, a neutral to positive tool to connect to others. So try to log on with curiosity. I wonder who I might get to talk to. I wonder what kind of conversations I might have. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna link with anyone. It doesn't necessarily mean it's all gonna be what I wanted, but that's okay. And if I'm on there for a little bit and I realize, eh, not feeling so great, I log off and you do something else, right? Okay, other steps and perspectives to re-entering the dating world, to trying to find romance and relationship. You have to live in the world, and this is a quote I always say all the time, live your life like you're single and looking. You cannot move through your day in the same old school ways. You can't, if you are actively wanting to be in relationship and to date, you can't walk around with your headset on and your, and your gaze down at the floor as you're walking around and grocery shopping and at the gym. You need to live in a single way, which means you have to live in a way that's approachable because you don't wanna make it any harder for someone to court you, get your attention, or hit on you. And you don't wanna make it even harder for you to maybe do that. And again, we have to non-gender this. It doesn't matter if you're female or male presenting, you need to take responsibility for being accessible and approachable and for approaching people. Not everyone who's male identifying is going to have the confidence or willingness to approach. Yes, women need to hit on men as well or other women. Everyone I work with often takes this passive stance. Well, they didn't. I'm not working with them on random the dating world. I'm working with you. You're saying you want love. Well, then you have to go after it, right? So yes, you have to be in a way that's approachable. You have to make eye contact with people. You have to practice that. You have to practice smiling. Every gender has to practice smiling if you're living in the world where you want people to feel safe and greenlit to approach you. But on the other hand, you also have to track people's level of comfort. If you're making eye contact or smiling or talking to someone and they're looking down or looking away, that's a sign they're not interested and you leave them be and you move on. But also know if you're looking down or looking away that healthy people will acknowledge that and leave you be. So if you actually do want to be approached and you do want them to flirt, you need to look up, make eye contact, smile. I also tell people, if you see someone you're interested in, be it within their proximity. People can only be expected to go so far out of their way. And I mean that for both people. We all have to live in the world like we're single. Healthy people don't approach people that are closed off or presenting as unavailable. And so make eye contact, start conversations, smile at people. People look for micro and macro signals that you are interested and available. Healthy people do. And healthy people also, when there's a lack of that, they leave you alone. And so you have to be very thoughtful about how you're engaging in all of that, right? Think about that. 
Um, okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about ways, perspectives, and tips to re-enter the dating world. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and we're continuing our discussion on tips, perspectives, and tricks to uh, get back into the dating world. Uh, remember, we have to create the conditions around which these things can emerge. You can't say, I'm not willing to flirt with anyone and I don't care what your gender is. You can't say, I'm not willing to flirt or approach anyone. I'm not willing to be on a dating app. I'm not willing. I'm not. Well, then great. Welcome to singledom. You're choosing it. You're getting in your own way. When you want to date, you have to present as open. You have to put time and effort in. I have my clients on the apps, checking them multiple times a day. I have them out in the world, smiling, making eye contact, being approachable. That is part of the world. People aren't gonna go through a thousand hoops to get your attention or to seek you. It's just not gonna happen. You have to be open and you have to hit on people and you have to make yourself available. Um, one of the little tricks I say to people is you also have to do this thing, because again, we talked already about going online, we talked about asking about people's relational status and not assuming that they're single or that they're into monogamy. We ask, we find out, right? We talked about dating at burnout, where we don't use the apps to make our lives harder and to feel worse. If we're not having a great day or feeling good, we don't log on because it's too much complexity to, to risk stepping into. If we're feeling bad and angry while on, we get off, we take a break, right? We move through the world like we're single. I also tell people, you have to do one thing more. When you're anxious or unsure, step in one more way somehow. Because I watch too many people smile, make eye contact, and they both just part ways because neither one is willing to take one more step forward. One more step, which might make it easier for them to go all in, or one more step, which makes the other person confident or willing to step in. You know, I spent I spent a, a couple months of my life when I was single, because I'm currently in a relationship, but I, I would make myself hit on people. If someone smiled at me, I'd walk up to them and introduce myself. If I passed someone and they flirted, I would turn back and say, hey, what's your name? I, would, I, I was willing to take those risks and I'm so glad I did. And one, one step more means just doing one more thing that gives yourself the opportunity for you or them to do something. You, they smile at you and then they're over by the apples. So you go stand by the apples too. Maybe you're not going to say anything more or do anything more, but at least you're in proximity and maybe it's easier for them to start conversation. Someone starts conversation, you follow up and keep the conversation going. You have to be willing to be a participant. No more passivity. Otherwise, you're keeping yourself single and it's your fault. The other thing we talked about is you have to be assertive. You have to be willing to ask people out. You cannot, regardless of your gender, et cetera, et cetera, sit back passively, always expecting the other people to do all the work. That's what keeps people single. I'll always say to them, what did you do? And they'll say, well, nothing. Oh my God. Well, there it is. Do nothing, you get nothing. You have to be willing to do something. Another big one is get rid of your ego list because love is often found in unexpected places from unexpected people. But we often have this list of what we think we need, but it comes from our anxiety. We're wanting to be socially acceptable where we're determining the height they have to be or the weight they have to be or the race they have to be or their religion, good luck. That's why you're single. Because there's too many expectations on the other person. And you're missing out on love because you don't know what it's gonna look like. And it's not always gonna show up in the most socially or, or familiarly ideal way. Sometimes, yes. Unfortunately, they're shorter than you wanted. Unfortunately, they don't make the money you wanted. Unfortunately, they're a different religion. That is how the world works. And you have to decide what your higher ethic and priority is, love and relationship or conformity and following the rules that I think I have to follow or my ego. Because maybe they're larger bodied than you wanted or smaller bodied. Maybe they're taller or shorter. 
you know? We have to get rid of that stuff. That list of what you need is from your weakness. It's what your confidence thinks it needs. It's what you think you need to feel okay out in the world. It's what you think this imaginary audience of people that are judging and assessing you need from you. Stay open. Stay open to finding in unexpected ways. Yes, I want you to be physically attracted to them, but keep in mind that what you find attractive often comes from cultural norms and conformity, not even from health or from our best. So push back on that. It's interesting to see people that are single and complaining about it when they go through all of the list of what their needs are, consciously or unconsciously. And it's like, well, there it is. Yes, you should also use the word dating. Be direct. People sometimes ask each other out in ways where no one knows if they're actually on a date because they ask you to hang out or get coffee. Well, do they ask me out on a date? Do they think it's a date? I don't even know because I don't want it to be a date or I want it to be a date, but I don't know if that's what they ask. Oh my God. If you ask someone out on a date, ask, use the word date. Do you want to go on a date? Don't ask someone to hang out. Don't say going for coffee. That doesn't necessarily imply it's a date. And some people might be like, well, we know what it is. Well, be an adult. Be an adult. Learn how to use clear, clear expressions. Learn how to communicate. <laughs> because I don't want people to mind read from the door. Use the right words. Ask for what you're looking for. If you don't know someone asked you out on a date, it's okay to say, hey, you asked me to hang out. I'm unclear. Are you asking me out on a date or are you asking me to hang out as a friend? It's okay to ask clarifying questions because not everyone will use the right languaging, you know? But it leaves everyone unsure to what they're even showing up to. Like, yeah, all of this is about vulnerability. All this is about risk. We need to be willing to do that. Do you want to go on a date? And if someone asks you in a very vague way, you ask them, are you asking me on a date? Don't carry their shame. There's nothing wrong with that clarifying question. And then finally, here's the most punchy one of all. If you're truly wanting love and relationship, you have to be willing to use whatever entry point is possible. And many long-term full of love, committed relationships have begun as hookups because hookup culture and sex, casual sex is a part of dating and getting into deeper relationship. Having sex and hooking up is a way for many people to meet other people, to build intimacy and also to assess compatibility because there's more compatibility that's shown through sex and romance and affection than what we can bring up on a coffee date. On a coffee date, you can only learn people's favorite colors and movies, where sex we learn about body esteem, self-esteem, sexual compatibility, attraction, boundaries, communication, it's all in there. So you can rule out whatever you want, but if you want to give yourself the best chance, don't rule out sex, because yes, you can both be open to a long-term committed relationship and casual sex. One does not remove the other. And anyone who's truly wanting love will be open to any possibility. I've seen too many people say, I'm not having sex with anyone because I'm looking for a relationship. And then they actually miss out on it because it might've been through the sex that they realize how much compatibility they have. I will give you a personal transparent story. Two of my most loving long-term relationships started out from a hookup that weren't meant to be anything more than that. But through that hookup, we realized there was more there. We stuck around to talk more. One of them even spent the night. Both of them, we went on dates throughout the week. And then years went by, we were in love and it was a long-term relationship. It went as far as it was meant to go after a few years because the length of time does not determine the success or health of a relationship. And we were smart and healthy enough to end it. But again, don't knock different entry points to finding and getting to the love we want. That's sometimes what keeps you single. All right, we got to go. We got to take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And I wanted to just actually touch on a topic because um, 
uh, things come up in my DMs and I see things on Twitter and in the news and I can see people struggling to wrap their head around certain topics. And this one's coming out of uh, trans individuals and sports. And this is born out of a lot of politics. Uh, and this, I think it was Idaho passed a bill on uh, a new Idaho bill bans trans students from women's sports. That's the headline. And it's really led to people battling out different things. And we saw Marjorie Green and all her bigotry with her anti-trans postings on the walls. I was putting that in my IG stories. And it's just a really painful, difficult topic because basically individuals are just trying to find human rights and validity and truth and authenticity and who they are. And all these things are mental health issues. Politics is always a mental health issue because it's often about the discussion of whether or not a certain individual or population has human rights or worth. And it's really sad and it's offensive because everyone should get access to having their needs met. And when we're talking about things like sports, I don't want to diminish sports. I have my own relationship to it, which to me, I see it as, you know, athleticism and entertainment. And I don't know why we make it as deep as it is. Uh, let, let trans individuals play on their sports team. Let, you know what I mean? Women are women, men are men, trans women are women. I, I don't know why we're overvalidating um, historical rules around sports. It's sports. But again, I know it has more meaning and value to others and not to me. But what I really wanted to cover in this is just some interesting information that came out around the issues, right, with this kind of legislation. Um, now, number one is this all impacts the psychology of the individuals. That's basically transgender, gender nonconforming, non-binary individuals. Their social and emotional health is on the line. And that should be prioritized. Mental health matters. I don't agree that we should put sports or athletic outcomes, because I, I don't even know what that means. Like, what are you really worried about? Some individuals um, being uh, not as able to succeed because they're up against individuals that they think might be um, ahead of the game based on their an anatomical sex. Like, let's make mental health matter. And there's a lot of literature <laughs> that looks at the outcomes that this has. And we know the disparity in the rates of depression, anxiety, addiction in transgender youth versus their cisgender peers. And so we do want to make accommodations. If anything, we have to eliminate those, but we do that by doing full inclusion, right? The other thing, and this is, um, and this is I'm pulling from two articles, um, people aren't actually understanding the science and they keep slinging around these comments on, you know, the science and science shows there's two, two genders. Well, number one, science doesn't show that. Uh, there are more than two sexes and sex is usually determined by anatomical presence, what anatomy we're looking at, that's sex. And there's more than two sexes. There are people that are intersexed. There are people that have, we, we can spend a whole segment on that, but I just wanna point out there's more than just male or female anatomy. There's combined anatomy, there's uh, ambiguous anatomy, so there's more than two sexes. And there's hundreds of genders, because gender is about someone's performance. Gender is about someone's presentation. Gender is usually indicated by clothing, right? Language, all these other external identifiers. And there's hundreds upon hundreds of ways for us to people to express themselves. More importantly, when an individual says, this is who I am, then whatever they said is the correct answer. Now, the problem is people don't understand the science when we're talking about hormone levels, right? There is not a lot out there that's, let me go backwards, because <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm reading as I'm talking. 
um, the evidence when we look at testosterone, because that is always the home hormone that's brought into question, testosterone levels. So there is not good evidence that speaks to the advantages that higher levels of testosterone offer. You cannot just look at testosterone levels and say, without looking at any other factors, that a higher level testosterone is going to inherently mean that they're gonna be a better performer athletically. And also know that men and women, when you compare them, that the levels are going to be different. Meaning, all men don't have the same levels. There will be some men that have a higher level than maybe someone of what someone else might see is a different gender. And when you look at studies done on transgender females versus cisgenders, the overlap and the ranges are often comparable. There's no body of evidence to suggest that there's an advantage. We don't have research saying that. So we're not even looking at science. We're not looking at mental health. And there's also different skills. What sport are we even talking about? And that will matter as to what level supposedly this testosterone could have on their ability and performance, right? And then finally, what does that even leave us with when we pass these bills that might ban the inclusion? We're now looking at people needing to prove their manhood or, or, or womanhood. They now have to submit to blood tests that they have to pay for or physical examination. What kind of trauma and problems does that lead to? What does that mean for someone who's intersexed that has non-ambiguous or ambiguous external genitalia or hormone levels that don't really necessarily speak in any direction, right? Because science is gonna tell us that there's a wealth of ways that we can present and different hormone levels and they're not all aligned. I mean, this is a bigger issue than people realize. It's not as simple as follow the science. There's two sexes or there's two genders. We're gonna keep talking about this, but it's really heartbreaking to see an already exploited and marginalized community continue to be oppressed over sports. Over sports, which I thought were supposed to be fun and entertaining. And I know that there's a lot of money rooted in, and that's usually the defining factor. We gotta get more inclusive. It's a mental health issue. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This DM says, hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend and I got into a huge argument the other day about COVID, and I'm having a hard time processing this. Texas has reopened, and we live in California. Bum, bum, bum. He said he wants to go out to Texas for a week and party, see old friends who he's never even talked about before. Oh, it's the plot thickens. I told him I don't want him to go, and he flipped out saying he's tired of being stuck inside and nothing is open. And if I don't let him go, then he'll break up with me. I just don't understand why this is such a big deal to him or why he'd break up with me. Well, a couple things. Let's, let's go on a little journey here. Number one, people are burnt out and exhausted. So although I don't support it, I do understand why people are getting both stir crazy and also why they are taking things a little less seriously. The more familiar we get with something, the more the anxiety and fear around it drops. And that's what's happening. People are kind of familiar with COVID. They're feeling a little too safe. Uh, they're seeing, you know, the uh, light at the end of the tunnel, as they say, and they're kind of like, I'm ready. And they're getting antsy. You know, mental health wise, we need to get out there. We don't need to be going partying in Texas, which I think is a super spreader state, but we do need to get out. He might need to focus on more of the local smaller, like go for walks. And that's how you can be part of that. Um, saying, well, it sounds like, you know, as we're discussing this Texas thing, you can say, it sounds like you do need to get out more. So let's put on our masks. Let's go for walks. Let's go maybe eat outdoor at some of the outdoor dining, which is now allowed, right? Let's go get a picnic and sit in the park. Let's get tickets and do one of those drive-in movies, which are safe. 
Let's go for walks at night or in the morning. Let's go hiking. Let's go for a run. Let's go, you know, go, let's go to the beach. There's a lot of safe things you can do. A lot of people are being a little uh, dramatic and polarized in, in, in what they're choosing. You don't need to go from zero to 100. Go from full lockdown and quarantine to Texas, right? So find small ways in between. That's my answer. Having said that, I, I think you have a right to say, listen, um, if you're going to go to Texas, you are going to get a COVID test and, and quarantine before you come back into our dwelling because you have a right for you to protect yourself. If he wants to go to Texas, let him go to Texas. That's on him. But you protect yourself and you say, before you come home, you get a COVID test and then we need to wait 12 days before you come home. And that's what you say. Say, I'll support you going if you support my safety. And if you're not going to support my safety, well, then you are unsafe. And then we should end this relationship. Because if your boyfriend is willing to dump you so he can go party in Texas, we have a bigger issue. Honestly and truly, we have a far bigger issue. He's not that committed and serious. And he doesn't really know what a relationship's about. And if he's not willing to then quarantine and do a test, then again, we have more to worry about. So that's your choice because he has a right to go if that's what he wants to do. Being in a relationship, monogamous or married or otherwise, doesn't mean we get to control or tell our partner what to do. So I don't like the use of the word, if you let him. He's an adult. He does what he wants. And boundaries are not about other people's behavior. They're about ours. So you can't say you can't go. You don't have a right to tell an adult that. What you can say is... I won't have someone who's been in Texas, which is a ridiculous place where they're not following regulations, coming back home without having been tested. Anyone that's going to be in my home or around me needs to have had a test or quarantined. So you can say what you'll do. I won't be around that. I won't cohabitate with that. I won't be in a relationship with someone who doesn't care about that. Speak for yourself. And then he has to understand what he's up against. And then he makes a decision that's right for him. And I want people to still do that. Just because a governor is putting profit and finance over people's lives does not mean that it is safe. And that's the confusion. Like, God bless what the uh, governor in Texas thinks is okay in Florida and all these other places. But again, that doesn't mean it's safe. Listen to the CDC, the actual scientists and virologists, and they're saying, no way. Stay home, wear a mask, do not go around people. So that's my concern. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm thinking more about that and I'm worried more about that. I, you know, again, remember people on the other side, understand that you're antsy and you want to go do things, but your personal needs can't come before the physical and mental health of those that you're in a relationship with or cohabitating with. We do need to consider both. And that's part of just being in a relationship and everything matters. You're either thinking relationally or you're not, and you're always communicating to your partner, your family members or friends, how good of a friend, family member, or loved one you are. So care about the impact you're having on others. That's a statement I'm saying more to the boyfriend. All right, y'all, that's our show coming up tomorrow. We're going to talk about monogamy, still the number one relational choice, but the way a lot of us run it is quite toxic and actually not healthy. And that's why a lot of it's not really too sustainable. So we're going to be talking about healthier ways to do monogamy. DMs always open. If you got a DM for us, put it in our Loveline IG page in the DMs and uh, past episodes of Loveline. You can check them out by going to wearechannelq.com. See you tomorrow night. Y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night.